I see this morning, but we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, in order of worship this morning, our song leader will be Chris Langley. Opening prayer will be Kevin Brumley. Toy Farr will do our scripture reading. Ken Forrest will bring our lesson. Michael Dooley will conduct the Lord's Supper for us. And the announcements and closing prayer will be done by Randy Moore. If you will, let's bow before we begin worship. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity we have to come this morning to worship you in song and praise. Father, we thank you so much for the many wonderful blessings in life that you've bestowed upon each and every one of us. We know that we have many of our number here that are sick, that has lost loved ones, that are going through therapies. Father, we ask that you comfort them as only you can. Father, we also have a good bit of a number that are on trips this weekend. We ask that you watch over and guide them and help them have a safe return home. Father, go with us throughout our everyday life and help us to live in a manner that will be pleasing unto thee. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. First song this morning is number 624. 624. And uh, if it's convenient, let's everybody stand so as people are making their ways in, they can just easily come and take their seats. Let's see. Seeking the lost, yes,
next song, the song before the prayer will be A Wonderful Savior, number 508. <clears throat> Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for another Lord's Day that you've given us. We thank you so much for the opportunity to come out and join together, sing songs of praise to you, Father, and listen to a portion of your word. We ask that everything we do here be pleasing into your sight. We ask that you be with the sick of our number, Father. You know who they are. Heal them and return them back to us if it be your will, Father. Father, we're so thankful for the church here at Boneville. We ask that you be with the ministers, the elders, the deacons, all the teachers, Father. Please be with our congregation. Please continue to watch over us and guide us, Father. Please be with Brother Ken as he brings a message today. May we open our minds to listen to what he puts on our plate, Father, and 
as a result, may we better serve you. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation song would not be in your books. It will be on the screen. It's called a great, There's a Great Day Coming. And before that, we'll sing another song that's not in the books, but I believe everybody knows it. Into our hands, the gospel is given. After this, we will have our uh, scripture read and then our lesson of the hour. <clears throat> Let's see. Swiftly we turn over here. Swiftly we're turning life's daily pages. Swiftly the hours are changing to years. How are we using God's golden moments? Shall we read glory? Shall we read tears? Into our hands the gospel is given. Into our hands is given. Timothy verses 5 through 10. Perverse disputings of a man corrupt minds destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw themselves. <laughs> 
but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from faith and pierced themselves through with many of sorrows. Good morning, everyone. Hope you had a good week. I have several that have requested prayers for this morning. But first, I would give your attention to the second row right here. Yep, you're in trouble, Luther. Luther is back. And he has shocked all of us with his presence. Many of us are just amazed and stupefied that he's even here. But he refuses to be mortal like the rest of us. And we are thankful that he is in our presence today. Luther, God has so blessed you. And we are thankful to him today that you're able to be here. I don't know, you seem to have a threshold of tolerance for pain that is unbelievable. But if sitting there makes you uncomfortable and you need to get around, then you just go right ahead. I'm going to assume you're not mad at what I had to say. Eddie Mooney is going to be having thyroid surgery on Tuesday in Oxford. He has a couple of polyps on his thyroid. Not exactly sure what that's all about, but we want to pray for Eddie as he has surgery. Becky Nelms has had a bad report from an oncologist and she is going to be seeking further help from MD Anderson, try to determine exactly what's going on with her. I think she said about 20 years ago, she fought a cancer battle and she won that battle. And so we're hopeful that this will have exactly the same outcome, that she will be successful in this. But we're just praying for the evaluation and hoping that the very best outcome is in her hands. And Larry Kennedy, who is married to Becky Johnson's sister right now, is very ill, unresponsive. The family, as you can imagine, is very concerned about them. So they're asking for our prayers this morning. And then, especially if you live in Prentice County, or even this surrounding area, we were shocked to hear about the crash of a helicopter, not very, but a few miles from right here. And the two who were in that helicopter perished in that crash. Now understand that the elder member of that team, it was his last day. He was going to retire. And he was on his way in that helicopter to be at a reception that was in his honor. And so in that place were his family and 
friends and you know when I when I heard that a helicopter had crashed I immediately thought about Cameron and I just prayed and prayed that it wasn't Cameron and it wasn't and I was overjoyed except that someone someone's did die in that crash and here are families who are really suffering. So we want to pray for them too. On a happier note, we have sermon notes for kids. And listen, this thing has gotten crazy. I'm having 20 kids or more turning in these outlines every Sunday. In fact, the volume became so great that somehow or another... The numbers got off. And it wasn't long before a few parents came knocking. They said, Are you sure about those numbers? Well, I got out every single outline that I had in my possession because I keep every one of them. And I added them up. I then put them all in alphabetical order. I put all of those in order by date, every single one that I had compiled the totals, and sure enough, the numbers were in error. On that little bulletin that you have today is exactly right. It's what I have in my possession. If you have a problem with those numbers, then come to me and I'll show you what I do have and we can count them together. Now, here's something that I will say. I, I know, I don't, you know... I don't want this to be a death race 2024, okay? I don't want people being crazy about this, but I am inspired by the attention that our very young kids are giving to the presentation of God's Word and writing down those notes. So if for some reason one of your young people is not able to be here, like some were not here on that snow day that we had, and yet I still got outlines. They watched the video and sent in an outline. So if somehow or other your number is low and you have been unable to be here for some reason, then go watch a video and fill out one of those outlines. And if it has a date other than the one that you've already turned in, if it's a new one, then I'll I'll give you credit for that, okay? So just a little fun thing for our young people. So we have a lot to pray about and hearts are heavy, but today's lesson's gonna be heavy too. I wanna take us from Sin to salvation. We're going to begin in what I think is, well, it's, it's a cryptic sort of text found in Revelation chapter 21, verses 7 and 8. It's one of those passages that frightened me as a child. And as I've reviewed it now for this lesson, it is still frightening. But I want to share with you what we can do about it, Okay. Before we start that, though, let's, let's pray that God will bless us in our study this morning. Our Father in heaven, thank you for today, the first day of the week, start of a fresh new series of days, opportunity in our life. 
We thank you, Father, for breath itself, the hearts that are beating in our chests, for this privilege to be in worship. And as we've already participated in these acts, our hearts, our whole beings are concentrating on you. And we pray that all that we've done to this point has been acceptable as worship in your sight. We pray your blessings now, Lord, as we are meditating upon your word. And I pray that not only will it challenge us and inform us, but it will motivate us to move. If we need to obey the gospel, Lord, I pray that your word will motivate that today. If we need to repent of sin and confess it before this family today, I pray that we will feel the urgency and the need to do so. I pray, Father, that you will bless these folks who are on a prayer list. Bless Eddie Mooney as he has surgery this week, and we pray it's a success and that there's no additional issues. We pray for Sister Becky as she is to seek additional information about her condition. We pray, Father, that all is well with her. But whatever the case may be, we pray that you will provide her with what is necessary to be healthy. We pray your blessings on the Larry Kennedy family as he is very low right now. We pray your continued blessings on Luther as he's recovering from his shoulder surgery and we just pray that he will have a full recovery. And thank you, Lord, for the great example he sets being here today despite his condition. And Father, our hearts go out to these families who have suffered because of unexpected death, the tragedy of this crash. We pray, Father, for everybody involved and not just those who are immediate family, but those who worked these scenes. I, I just cannot imagine the circumstances and the the emotional toll that things like that take. But Father, I know that you are the God of mercy, the Father of mercy, the God of compassion. And Father, I just pray that you will extend that to them. And if can be through us, just thank you, Lord, for blessing us so that we can bless others and the comfort that you provide we can share. Lord, I pray that you will help me today to preach and teach this lesson in a spirit of love and of concern for this body that you know I love so much. And I pray, Father, that you will touch the hearts that need to be touched today. Give us all the courage to live out our faith to the fullest and to anticipate someday the possession of all things as you have promised. In Jesus' name, amen. The text says that he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars 
shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God wants us to overcome sin and to inherit all things. I believe a lot of people hold to that idea. They even call themselves children of God. Take a survey, even people who know very little about God if they have some notion of heaven, they want to go to heaven. God wants you to go to heaven. If you will overcome sin, you will absolutely inherit as a son all things. But if you are an unrepentant Sinner, then you will have your part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. That's referred to as the second death. I want to go to heaven. I bet, I bet you want to go to heaven too. Nobody wants any part of the second death. So here's what's on my heart today. I've been thinking about this a lot. Through the year I have planned to deliver basic Bible lessons. Lessons pertaining to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Simple and absolutely to the point. And so today, I want to share with you exactly what it is that you can do to be a son or daughter of God, to have that inheritance, to go to heaven, and to not, not to have any part with a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. I want to start by just simply thinking about sin. And several sins were listed right there in that text. Those particular sins were pertinent to the letter that was being written. They addressed specific issues that might have existed in the lives of those who are going to be recipients of this larger letter, the book of Revelation. But it represents something to us. It ought to, because it's wide-ranging. Let's just talk about sin for a minute. What exactly is it and, and what, what does sin have to do with the things that were mentioned here? How, how are all of them connected? And I guess the simplest thing to say is that all of those sins listed in verse 8 and elsewhere in the scriptures are sins that represent us missing the mark, specifically the idea of missing our fulfilling or our representing the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 expresses that, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
I would add to that something that is said in the book of Romans as well, chapter 14 and verse 23, the very last verse of that chapter, where he says that if a thing is not of faith, that it is sin. And then into this mix, I would also sprinkle 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. That text says that whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Okay, so sin is falling short of the glory of God or missing the mark. It's not acting in faith. It's lawless. I was recently blessed with an opportunity to speak to some prisoners in the jail. And I said sin is something that's easily represented right here. A person who breaks the law is a transgressor of the law. They have become lawless. Taking that action, turning your back on what is expressly spoken by God, puts you obviously in this precarious situation. You are a committer of sin. Sin could be described as being both action and inaction. It's an active thing. It's a passive thing. When we think of sin as being active, we're talking about the, the decision, or as 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 described it, committing sin. We talk about being committed to lots of things, right? It just means that I've set my mind to do it if I'm committed to something. And sin is when we have committed ourselves to transgressing something that God has said. I, I'm, making, I'm making a conscious decision to do something wrong. In Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19, Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Our text, Revelation 21 verse 8, said that that one who is the overcomer of sin, he can inherit all things. But this text says if you're committing these sins of the flesh or sins like them, you have no inheritance in heaven. That's, that's pretty black and white, isn't it? Either I do inherit it and I get it all, or I don't inherit anything. That is an active, conscious decision to commit sin. But there's also, as I mentioned, a, a passive way in which people commit sin, and it's just as devastating. It is a condition wherein a person knows what they should do, that's been specified by God. Here's what you do. They just choose not to do it. James chapter 4 and verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good 
and does not do it, to him it is sin. It's very similar to that idea from Romans 14, verse 23, right? I know what by faith I ought to be doing. I I know exactly how I ought to be behaving. I'm going to imagine that a lot of us walk around with a sense of guilt because we know something that we should have been doing. We just didn't do it. We postponed it. We put it off. It never got accomplished. So here are two ways in which people commit sin. And when you think about the fine line that's drawn between those two, it's no wonder what the Bible has to say about our situation relative to sin. I just want to spell out just for simplicity that we are either actively committing a sin and we know we're doing it or we're just simply not doing what God told us to do. With that fine line, we see in reality just about how bad sin is, or at least how bad our situation is. Because Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says that there is none righteous. No, not one. So how many does that leave? (laughs) There is none in and of himself by his own merit who is righteous. Not, Not a one. And when I'm committed commit sin, when I'm committed to that sin, then there there are so many things that fit within that category. We listed several of them there from Galatians chapter 5. For every single sin, there is a price that is paid. And here's the thing that ties them all together. The price that is paid is exactly the same, no matter the sin. Now, sometimes we, we talk about some sins as being just very little as nothing at all. Other sins we talk about as being so great. Sometimes we talk about murder. I would never murder anybody. That's a big ticket sin. But a little lie. You saw there in that text, verse 8 of Revelation 21, that he talks about both murderers and all liars, both receiving the same consequence of their particular sin. And that is that part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Romans 6 verse 23, the wages of sin is death. That's the death he's talking about, our spiritual Death, the spiritual consequence for our sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers, nor drunkards, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. They will twice. In those two verses, verses 9 and 10, twice he leads the list, he follows up the list. Shall not inherit. You're not going to heaven with these sins unrepented. Wait, get my bearings here now. If I will overcome sin, I will inherit all things. 
if I am unrepentant with regard to my sin, then I'm not going to heaven. That is the, that's the hard reality of sin. So how bad is it? It's as bad as it could possibly be. What does sin do to me? Why is it like that? It seems like a, a sticky sort of thing. It's like you get involved in it. You just can't, you just can't get loose from it. And part of the reason is because when it comes to sin, sin is something that separates. You know, without me giving even one example, that sin is responsible for separating us and our relationships to people. Here's the thing about sin. Sin attacks the two things that Jesus said were number one. That was our love for God in which we give all that we are and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're giving all to God. We're giving all to our neighbor. We, we are trying to express ourselves in two important ways, but when sin is involved, sin gets in the middle of both of those things. Think about loving your neighbor as yourself. When you sin against someone else, you are breaching a relationship. You are putting a crack that ultimately will become a large fissure, and before you know it, there's a canyon. And Maybe you've repented of it along the way, but I'm just going to venture to guess that if you've lived very long, you made a mistake with somebody. You said something, you did something, somehow you forsook somebody. And even though it may be partially healed, it is not like it used to be. What caused that breach in your relationship? It was, it was sin. You can use any number of sins that deal with relationships, but let's just call it what it is. Sin got in the way of you loving them as God had called you to love them. And now here's the consequence. It also, more importantly, it separates us in our relationship with God. And again, there's that love thing. I'm going to love God with all I've got. Except that I became selfish, decided I'm going to do this contrary to the law, the teaching of God. And now I have sinned and I might have sinned against other people, but ultimately it comes down to my love of God. And I have sinned. I have breached my love of God with my sin, with my commitment to my sin. And in a lament... Here's what God has to say about that. In a lament, I'm crying if I'm God saying this. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Oh, how God loves us and 
He wants us to be his children. He wants us to overcome sin. He wants to give us all things. I want to be your God and and I want you to be my son. But sin separates. And as much as God would just, oh, I just want to just reach down and yank you out of that. His hand is shortened because of our sin. His ear that would, that would hear every cry of his obedient child is now muted because of sin. Oh, how God would just wrap us up. But sin will break the two most important commands, the very ones in which everything else is wrapped up in. Our relationship with one another and certainly in our relationship with God. And sin, sin enslaves people. John chapter 8 and verse 34. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. In other words, the sin has become our master. Almost everything that God has given us Scripture says everything that God has given us is good to be used. It's profitable. There is some purpose for everything that exists that is a holy purpose. When we sin, talk about transgressing or going beyond. The idea is that when we sin, we go too far with a thing. So we become excessive in our abuse of what might have in the beginning have been a good thing. I don't know what tobacco is good for. I do know that when I was a little kid and I was stung by yellow jackets, that my grandmother, my grandmother would take some tobacco leaves I lived in North Carolina, so it was ubiquitous. Tobacco cured everything where I grew up, and so she would chew that, and how do I say it? Create a medicine (laughs) and apply that to bee stings, and somehow or other, either I just wanted it to feel better, (laughs) or, or it did feel better. So, you know, tobacco, I believe it had its purposes. But I have two parents who for their entire adult life smoked cigarettes. And when they were young, cigarettes were the thing. In fact, uh, back in world wars, uh, they would package cigarettes for our troops. Perhaps the nicotine that was in it or some other thing helped to soothe the nerves, whatever. Maybe it was medicinal medicinal in that way, but as a result, a lot of people got addicted to tobacco, smoking tobacco. I remember my great-grandfather, someone asked him, well, now he was in his 90s. They said, now, Mr. Lewis, have you ever been hurt by tobacco? And he said, I was hurt by tobacco one time. And that was during World War I when I couldn't get any. And I just kind of grew up thinking it was kind of funny that, you know, he couldn't get his tobacco and everybody I knew in North Carolina smoked. I never took to smoke. 
not me, not my brothers. We hated the smell of it. We didn't like being around it, but there it was everywhere. And so for all my life living up in that environment, even when science came out and said, whoa, hold on, let's put the brakes on this. Tobacco is harmful. And they started putting cancer warnings on the packaging of tobacco cigarettes. My dad was emphatic that the science was flawed and everything that he read, of course, in the subscript down there, it was produced by R.J. Reynolds, but everything that he read said that smoking was good for you. My father actually died a few years ago. And when I went, the last time I saw him, he had on his nightstand beside the place where he was resting a book that touted the medicinal benefits of nicotine and caffeine. So my father on his deathbed riddled with cancer that was directly attributable to his nicotine addiction and the smoking of cigarettes for an entire lifetime was believing as he had a cigarette in one hand and a cup of coffee in the other, that he was fighting the good fight. And then, of course, he died. And my mother has succumbed to all kinds of health problems because of cigarettes. Why is that? Well, you know, if one cigarette's good for you, how about six packs a day? They grew up in ignorance thinking it was okay. Not until they're on their deathbed do they even begin to entertain the idea that something's wrong with this. I'll tell you what was wrong with it. Excess. If you smoke one cigarette, I don't know the effect of it. Maybe it is medicinal. I, I, have, no, I have no grounds by which to make a judgment one way or the other, but I'm pretty sure if you smoke six packs a day every day, it's going to take its toll on you. Ken, why does that matter? That's just a personal decision. Okay, peace. That is your personal decision. Among many other things we could talk about in the realm of excess. He mentioned sexual immorality. Sex within marriage. The marriage bed is undefiled. But adulterers and fornicators, God is going to judge because they have exceeded the commandments of God with regard to sex or whether that has to do with alcohol use or drug use, whatever the category is, if it falls within the category of excess, it has become sin. What are you talking about? Have you read 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20? In that passage, the text says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God. And, listen now, and you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, so how, 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 how is it? Can you hook that up for me? I, I think I can. Often, especially when we come in here, we talk about the spiritual activity of worship. 
Sure, it is a spiritual activity, no doubt about it. When you go and carry the gospel to somebody, spiritual activity, you go to Bible class, spiritual activity, all of that. But what got you here? You are, your spirit is inhabiting a body that is your vehicle for doing all of these things. God says, that is mine just as much as your spirit is mine. And here's what I need for you to do. I need you to glorify me in the body and the spirit. In other words, that is the vehicle by which I'm expecting you to exercise all these other spiritual things. It's the only real vehicle that I've given you. You need to take care of that. Why should I glorify God in the protecting of my body? Because it is the only way that I can carry myself about to accomplish the will of God. Anything that is excessive, that goes beyond, that is lawless, that transgresses is sin. And sin is going to bring about, according to our text, it is going to bring about death. Sin separates. Sin enslaves. You say, Ken... You know, I'm just just talking about the smoking. We can talk about any other category, but since we're on that smoking, you say, can I quit anytime I want to? I, I've quit hundreds of times. Oh, okay, okay. But why don't you quit is the real question. Why don't you? I, I will tell you why. Because you have become a slave of sin. John chapter 8, verse 34. Whoever commits the sin, the excess, is a slave of sin. You say, Ken, don't judge me. What about when you go and you eat? <laughs> you eat a lot. Okay, peace. That's another category, gluttony, on and on and on. But here's the thing, you don't know what's excessive for me. Maybe I can eat a whole buffet and then I go run 20 miles. Anything that is excessive, anything that goes beyond that transgresses is sin. What do I do about it? <laughs> okay, what, what do I do about it? You can do what most people do. Most people don't do anything. They don't do anything about their sin. They are going to have a part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Most people have chosen to go that way. You say, why would God send? God isn't sending anybody anywhere. God is awarding us according to the decision that we have made. If I choose sin, if I choose that, then I have not chosen God. I have transgressed and I become responsible for my own sin and I face those consequences. But the good news today is that God can save me from that. Save me even from my own inclinations when he wins over my heart. 
In Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of a great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. What can I do? He says, God has already extended his grace. His gift is already available. Where is it? The power of God to save all of us is in the gospel. Galatians chapter, or Romans chapter one, uh, verses 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. God has made possible our salvation through obedience to the gospel. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 described the gospel. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you have received in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That culmination of events, according to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, is found in baptism. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There is a process that we go through to go from a sinful state engulfed in sin and its excesses to a state of salvation, a process First of all, we have to learn the truth. I mean, it's not like we just wake up one morning and boom, I'm saved, I'm good. No, John chapter six and verse 45, here's what the prophets said. They shall all be taught by God. Therefore, whoever hears and has learned from the father is the one who comes to me, Jesus said. In Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 13, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He says, not everybody's, not everybody's obeyed it. And the reason why is because they haven't understood it. They haven't come to know it because faith is something that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I hear the word, that's part of the process. And then, well, I have to believe. In fact, Jesus very strongly says in John chapter 8 and verse 24, if you do not believe that I'm he, you will die in your sins. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says, the without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
Not only are we to believe in Jesus as the Son of God, but we are to repent or to turn away from our sins. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, and also verse 5 just restates the same thing, either repent or, or perish. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, truly the times of this ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And we must confess our faith. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So belief is wrapped up in this idea of, yeah, I have this mental assent that Jesus is the Son of God, but more than that, it's motivating me to act. So I'm going to repent of my sins, and then on the basis of my commitment to Him and not to sin, I'm going to confess that He's the Son of God. Now what? Is belief enough? In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus said to believe and be baptized for salvation. In Acts chapter 2, when the gospel was preached for the first time, they'd already heard the truth. They heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They found out that they were responsible for that, that his blood was on their hands. They were guilty. So they are convicted. They want to know, men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, well, there's only, only two things left to do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to your children, to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Wow! Salvation! We have gone through the process of having our sins removed. And now what? Well, in verse 21 of Acts chapter 2, we find out that those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Added to them whom? In verse 47, it says that the Lord was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. Who was being saved? Those who had learned and heard. Those who responded to it in repentance and confession, who believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who had their sins washed away. The Lord added them to the church. And then there is this. And this is something that I guess in recent years we just kind of added toward the end there. Because it's absolutely true. Once I become a Christian, now I've got to be faithful. But what might have taken a few studies and some courage to obedience in a handful of weeks now has transformed itself into the remainder of my life. Revelation 2 verse 10, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. What was our text? Revelation 21 and verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. I'm going to be faithful until I die. Well, Peter talks about adding to our faith. So I know it's not just the faith that I had when I was obedient to the gospel, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness love. 
For if these things are yours and abound, you are neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. But he says to be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's review. I obey the gospel. It was motivated and driven by my faith. I have my sins washed away by the blood of Jesus in baptism. I came up, but I'm still a person of faith. I'm going to be adding to my faith. And if I will do these things, I have an assurance of heaven. But what if I don't do these things? What if, what if I am unfaithful? Well, oftentimes we'll point to 1 John chapter 1, right? Verse 7 describes the faithful part. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ is and cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we make him a liar and his word, his truth is not in us. Okay, so I'm going to walk in the light. Faithful till death. Unfaithful. He said, confess it. Confess it. What about this, Ken? How about... How about you know, been faithful to the Lord for a long time. I'm just tired. I'm going to lay out church services for a while. And then when I kind of get myself back, I'll just kind of slide back in there. They'll never have missed me. I just slide back in there. Is that okay? Seems to me that this business of forsaking the body your church family, that is transgressing the love of this family. You may say, well, I've come back to my senses. I love God and I want to be saved. I'm back. You may be physically back here and it may be that your heart is headed in the right direction of repentance, but have you confessed that to this body? Have you acknowledged that you were in sin that you were unfaithful. Yes, body, I'm back and I, I repent. I am sorry for what I did. You say, Ken, y'all never miss me. I really wasn't involved in anything to start with. Oh no, please don't tell me that. Weren't we growing? If we weren't growing, then there's even a bigger problem that we're dealing with. How, how about this? How about we repent of our sin? How about we, we are genuinely sorry for forsaking the body, forsaking God, not just looking to just sneak back in here and try to get things rolling again, but to make a definite issue of it. I have sinned and I repent. Why would I do that? I'll tell you exactly why I would do it. Because I want no part in a lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I want no part of that. 
it, it seems to me that God forgives the repentant sinner, but he does not forgive the persistent pretender. Let's ask ourselves, am I in this or not? Am I living for the Lord or not? Am I faithful to Him or am I just kind of making do? Because the Lord is in expectation of sons and daughters in heaven someday. And I don't know about you, but it is my intention to be there. There are a lot of people in this world who transgress and turn their backs on God. The Old Testament is full of examples of people who turn their back on God and their eternal destiny is in their own hands because of it. I don't want my eternal destiny in my own hands. I want my destiny in the hands of a loving Savior who died for me, who shed his blood to wash my sins away. I will never forsake the Lord. Should that not be our plea? Should that not be our cry to one another? You can count on me because I'm going to be faithful until death. God made it possible for all of us to go to heaven someday. Won't you go to heaven? If you're not a child of God today, you have heard the gospel presented. What is it that keeps you from obeying the gospel today? We got pews here empty for people to come and make their request known. Today, I want to have my sins washed away. I want to overcome sin. I want to have all things as a child of God. You can have that when you are baptized into Christ, having believed, confessed, and repented of your sins. Maybe you're a child of God, though. You became a child of God. You were faithful for a time you wandered away. Today, why don't you confess that? Let's rid ourselves of this sin problem, not by our own power or initiative, but the power that God has vested in confession and repentance. Won't you do that today? Won't you leave this place knowing that you have that eternal inheritance waiting for you? If you need to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come while we stand together and sing? There's a great day coming from the
sins away. Lord, help us that we reside in a, in a place, according to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, wasn't even created for us. It was for the devil and his angels. I can't imagine residing in eternity in fire and brimstone in a place that is way over designed for me in torment, knowing that I had heard the gospel, I had heard an impassioned plea, and I was only steps away from my salvation. I mean, we all answer for ourselves, right? And I don't want to be anybody's enemy. But I do want you to know the truth. I don't want your blood on my hands. Amen. There's a sad day coming. A sad day coming. There's a sad day coming by and by. When the sinners come I know ye not. Are you ready?
you are in need of emblems, please let the ushers know and they will get them to you. I'm going to be uh, reading from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Let us give thanks for the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, thank for this opportunity to come before you and to worship you and to remember your Son for the greatest sacrifice that could ever be given, for the opportunity not to take part in that fire and that lake of brimstone and be given us the opportunity to have a life with you. And thank you for his body that he gave freely and that we shall be saved because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross by your Son. Thank you again for the opportunity to continue to be here and to, be, and to do this in your memory, Lord. And may we never forget that sacrifice that was so freely given and that was given just for us to be allowed to be with you and to be with your Son and to get out of this cruel world, Lord. May we never forget that you gave it to us and that he gave it freely. In Jesus' name, amen. we, as we separate from the Lord's Supper and partake uh, in the worship of giving back to the Lord, let's sing How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. Definitely not the other place, right, Ken? How Beautiful Heaven Must Be. Let's sing. We read of a place cause called heaven. It's made for the pure and the free. Matthew, the 28th chapter, we're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Galatians 6, 10, the scripture there says, As we have therefore opportunity to do good unto all men. We can't do that without funds. So as we prepare to give today, let's uh, search your hearts 
and consider the opportunities we have to preach the gospel to people and to help so many people that are in need today. So bear with me. Our Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful for the privilege of living in a country where we're so bountifully blessed. We pray that as we prepare to give back a portion of what you've blessed us with, that we might do so with the right attitude. And we pray, Father, for those that are interested in dispersing these funds, that you would give them wisdom, that they might go to places where the most good would be done. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning services here at the Boonville Church of Christ on this beautiful Sunday morning, February the 25th, 2024. We had a total of 268 in services this morning. We have several announcements. The landmark nursing home devotion for today has been canceled due to COVID. So no landmark nursing home devotion this afternoon. The Lad to Leaders Keepers will have a short meeting in the little chapel this morning immediately following services. So Lad to Leaders Keepers, you got a meeting in the little chapel immediately after these services. But if you're Lad to Leaders Puppets, you do not have a meeting this morning. It's been canceled. So Lad to Leaders Keepers, you've got a meeting Lad the leader puppets, you do not. The Golden Circle breakfast is tomorrow morning at the pit stop in Corinth. Bus will leave from the annex at 8.30. Sympathy is extended to Gay Rowland in the death of her brother-in-law, Brian Hill of Iuka. And I got a couple of cards here. I want to thank everyone for the card and especially your prayers during my liver biopsy. Everything is fine because of your prayers. I love you all. Signed, Chopper Taylor. Dear Boonville Church of Christ, thank you so much for the calls, texts, cards, gifts, encouragement, and most importantly, the prayers lifted up on my behalf. The surgery was successful, and hopefully the pathology report will reveal no cancer. 
Please continue to pray for me. Signed, Betty Bramlett. This is Allison Gross's mother. That is all the announcements I have this morning. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for this day and the opportunity we've had to come out and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've heard and we've learned, may we apply it to our lives and may as a result we better serve you. Lord, thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Now, Lord, go with us as we go to our homes. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.